Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 5. I apologize to all of you here who have service orders because that's not what it said. Uh, But Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, and it says this. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. The Word of God is awesome, isn't it? You have, you have stuff. I think sometimes, especially when you're in the start of the year and you're in that, like, I want to read my Bible in a year mode. And uh, usually Genesis starts off pretty good. So, so January goes really well. And you're like, yeah, I got some motivation. And then you get about halfway through Leviticus. And then you're like, ah, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And so you trudge through because you're like, I'm a good Christian. I'm going to get this. I'm going to read my Bible this year. And then you get to numbers and you're like, yeah, that's, I'm done now right? Because Numbers is literally a book of numbers, right? There were 100,000 of these and 20,000 of these. And uh, so, but scripture is so full of these little stories like this, these little snippets that I just love. Uh, and so, so this week, our little snippet comes from the Gospels, and it's in our uh, Get in Shape series. And if you remember, uh, the shape is our uh, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. All right, it's the things that make us who we are. And so last week we talked about spiritual gifts, the the things that God literally just hands us, right? And uh, if you remember, there was a ton of them, uh, including administration and mercy. Uh, You had some of the more supernatural ones like healing and miracles. Uh, But at the end of the day, our point was that everybody has spiritual gifts. And so this week or last week on Monday, we sent out a spiritual gifts test uh, to whoever would like one. Now, uh, I did forget last week. We sent you one that's an online link. Uh, however, if you want a print copy, we have those in the office. Uh, or, of course, uh, you can always print one from that website as well. They have a printable version. Uh, but no matter how you do it, I want you to take the test, all right? Because it might surprise you uh, what gifts you have. And so I want to encourage you to fill that out. But this week, we're talking about the heart. And so I want to revisit our scripture uh, because for me, there's really nothing else to preach but Scripture. And so uh, we're going to start in this, these verses from Luke chapter 5, uh, which is a story you can also find in Mark chapter 2 if you're looking. And so uh, Jesus is doing the things that Jesus does, 
right? One day Jesus was teaching. And so it says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, right? Jesus was a little bit of an enigma, right? He was a little bit of like, just odd enough to catch the attention of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so they come from everywhere, and it says that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, all right? So if you think about this in a logical fashion, uh, Jesus is in a house and he's teaching, but he's also healing. It says that he's, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, obviously, if you are a sick person and you hear that somebody is healing people, you are going to be found in the presence of that person. And so the house gets so filled with people who are in need, so filled with, with people clamoring to get to Jesus, that this man outside the house can't get in. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, right? So this guy is paralyzed. He can't do anything, but his friends who hear about the healing power of Jesus, they know, they well, if he, Jesus can heal those guys, surely Jesus can heal my friend too. So they, so they load him up on his mat and they, you know, you almost get this picture of like these guys carrying this stretcher, right? And they're like, trying to move people out of the way, but of course they have needs too, so they're not going to move out of the way. And so it says that when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, this story amazes me for, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first is that there's a guy on a stretcher and the crowd is so consumed with their own need that they can't, they won't make room for this guy, <laughs> right? Now, it's easy sometimes to look at this and be like, how dare that crowd do that, right? Except the crowd is just as needy, right? The, the crowd is just as needy. And I think it's often we forget in these stories sometimes that we are the people of need, <laughs> right? Sometimes it, it seems like we feel like we have our lives in order and, you know, we've got Jesus and we're, we're going to worship and we have our families, right? And it's easy to forget that we are still the people in need. And so this crowd, I, sometimes I'm prone to judge them, uh, but as I read it this week, it struck me that they also were in need. Everybody was in need. Everybody's heart in this situation was in need. It was broken, was in need of some kind of repair. And so, so these friends were dedicated, right? I think we could all use some friends like these guys, amen? They said, look, we can't get into the house from the door, so we'll find a new way in. So they take the guy on his little stretcher, right? And it says they took him up on the roof and they lowered him through the tiles, right? So you get this picture. These guys are so desperate for their friend that they climb up on the roof, right? And it's a roof, so there aren't any like pre-made holes in it, right? So you get this picture of these guys like scratching at the roof, trying to get a hole. They make a hole. They lower their friend down, it says, right in front of Jesus. And the story, the story amazes me because the heart of these guys for their friend is just incredible. These guys did not care what they had to do to get their friend to Jesus. They were going to do it. And the incredible part is Jesus doesn't scoff at them, right? Jesus is in a house. Like if you picture this, they lower him in front of Jesus, which means as they're, 
as they're clawing through the roof, it's crumbling down, right? You get this, it's, you have to imagine Jesus is kind of looking up like, what is going on? Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say like, how dare you? Why would you do that? Right? It says when he saw their faith, he said, your friends are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And then later he tells the guy, get up and walk. The guy is healed immediately. So Jesus doesn't get frustrated at these guys. Because see, when we talk about the heart, right? When we're talking about our shape inventory and the heart that we've been given, these guys had a heart for their friend. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them for that. <laughs> right? Oftentimes when, when people have a heart for something, we have a tendency to like downplay it a little bit. Right? This happens, this happens all the time. Um, Aaron and I had this happen to us uh, a couple of years ago when we announced that we felt like God was calling us into full-time missions work in our future. And we had all kinds of people who were like, well, that's just crazy. You can't do that. Right? Just, just do your trips every year. You know, train people on the ground. You'll be fine. You don't have to move there. Right? We downplay the things that have been placed on our hearts. And we do that with the big things, but we do that with the small things too. Because we get these little nudges of like, hey, I ought to pray for such and such. Or, man, I should really text this person who's, who I know is having a rough time. And we go, ah, they don't want to hear from me. Or we'll say, well, what do, I have, what do I have to offer them, right? And there are these moments where the things that are on our hearts are the things that are most important. And in this story, we find that Jesus cares about those things too. Because Jesus could have easily said, look, you just destroyed my friend's house. <laughs> Why should I help you? And instead, he says, wow, look at what faith these guys have. And so the heart, the heart can be a tricky thing. Because you have Jeremiah 17, 9, which says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who? It's this idea that left to our own, left on our own, our hearts are not going to seek a Jesus-honoring life. Left to our own, our hearts, as they say, want what the heart wants. <laughs> and it's the reason in Psalm 51 that the psalmist writes that we, Give me a new heart, O Lord. Give me a new heart. And, and I think back to the story uh, in the book of Ezekiel with the, the valley of dry bones, when he says, I'm going to put a new heart inside of you. I'm going to put a new heart in you. Because see, our old heart doesn't care at all when our friends are hurting. Our old heart might say, oh, that's so bad. That's so sad. But we're not going to do anything about it. But the new heart is the heart that says, I'm going to tear through someone's roof if that's what it takes to get my friend healed. It's these things that Jesus places on our hearts when we are following him. We're given these new hearts when we submit our lives to Jesus. So, so as I tell you to listen to your hearts this week, there is really like a caveat on that. It should be we're listening to the hearts that Jesus has given us. Because Paul describes this, this tear back and forth between the new and the old, right? They were supposed to be new, and yet the old still pulls at us. And, and even Paul struggled with that. But Jesus cares about the things that are on our hearts, the things that are in our hearts. It's the reason that he challenges the Pharisees in this story today. 
right? He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? And really, this is an amazing moment. I don't know if you guys have ever picked up on this. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they didn't say these things out loud. <laughs> these are the things in their hearts. Their hearts were saying, how dare he? Only God can do that. How dare he do that? And Jesus picks up on what's in their hearts. And then as if to just spite them a little bit, he says, fine, your sins are forgiven and you're healed. <laughs> how about that? And so Jesus cares about the things that are on our hearts. The, the key in this is that we have to recognize that the things on our hearts do matter to Jesus. That if our heart is broken for something, it matters to Jesus. If our heart is, is overwhelmed with joy, it matters to Jesus. And so we find these moments where our hearts guide us into a deeper place with God. Our hearts lead to healing of our friends. Our hearts lead to a transformation of people's lives because we simply live into the things that are on our hearts. And I'm reminded this story um, of, a, of a book that some of you have maybe read. Uh, it's called Kisses from Katie. Uh, Katie was one of the first people I heard about when I started going to Uganda because she runs a ministry in Uganda. And uh, as an 18-year-old girl, she took a trip to Uganda and absolutely fell in love with the culture and the place and uh, ended up moving back uh, when she was 19 and starting a ministry called Amazima. And uh, before she was 23 years old, she'd adopted 13 orphan girls. All because God had placed it on her heart to do something about the orphans in Uganda. Today, her ministry is still going on. This would have been in 2008 when she started Today, her ministry is still going on. She has sent hundreds, maybe even thousands of kids to school. She still runs the orphanage, still is bringing kids in and changing lives because God placed it on her heart. Her heart was broken for the people in those communities. And I have a guess that your hearts, that your hearts, the hearts that love Jesus, the hearts that, that want to do what is right and, and transform the world, those hearts this morning have something that's weighing on them even as I share that story. There's something on your heart that needs some Jesus. And so I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that like these men who, who lower their friends into the house, they dig a hole in the roof, right? This is where most of our hearts find ourselves. Because our hearts are connected to Jesus. And Jesus' heart is broken for the lost. Right? He didn't care that there was a hole in the roof. He cared that there was a guy that needed healed. And many of you have places like that in your lives this morning. You have people in your life, whether they are family members, maybe they are uh, your co-workers at work, they're having a rough go. They're not getting the full Jesus experience that you know. And they've been on your heart for a while. I want to encourage you to live into it. Okay? Jesus cares about what's on our heart. And that's not just as uh, it's not just about those little those little nuggets where we where we where we think of somebody or we pray for somebody, right? Jesus loves the things that you love, right? I, I'm reminded yesterday, right? I, I love to play disc golf, but yesterday was just the coolest day. 
Because the thing that I love in disc golf was combined with the thing that I love in taking care of people in our community, right? We get these opportunities, even in things that are not what we would consider sacred, right? It's the everyday moments of things that we love, right? I love my children, and I see so much Jesus in my interactions with my children. I believe that Jesus cares about my children too, because I also care about my children, it's not just the things that we consider sacred. The, the, the problem is we keep dividing them. We divide them and we say, well, this part of my life is the sacred part and this part is the secular part. And we think Jesus only cares about this part. But, but if this other stuff is on our hearts, it matters to Jesus too. It matters to Jesus that we, that we love to read. It matters to Jesus that, that we love to walk every day in our community. And, and these, these things, the, the things we consider the, the sacred versus the secular, all of them are things that Jesus has given us, things that we have developed in our lives that are, should be used for the glory of God. Even the things that we consider to be outside of our, our sort of our church and Jesus side of our lives. Even those things are the things that God wants us to use for ministry. They're part of who we are. They're part of the gifts that we bring to the world. I would say that over the last nine months of my life, since COVID started, I've probably prayed with as many people on a disc golf course as I have in church. Because God places these things. He uses the things that are in our hearts. And so, so don't think that just because you don't have like some ministry that you are heading up or some, some thing in the community that, that you're pouring your whole life into, right? I'm talking about the everyday stuff too. If your heart is in it, Jesus should be in it. Because Jesus is in your heart, right? So if your heart is there, guess what? Jesus should be there too. It's about recognizing in those moments that there is no difference between sacred and secular. All things are sacred to the Lord. That means your life, your spiritual gifts, your heart, right? Your abilities and personality and experiences. We're going to talk about the next three weeks. They're all sacred to the Lord. So this week, as, as you think about the, and, and you'll get in your email again and on Facebook, you'll get the questions and I'm going to share my answers with you. Uh, about your heart, right? What is on your heart? As you get them, I want you to really think about that this morning. What things are on my heart? Am I using the things that my heart is invested in for kingdom purposes? Is Jesus involved in the things that I love? And those are the questions that I'll leave you with this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful, oh so thankful, that you care about the things that we care about. That in our lives, God, as long as we're pursuing you and trying to do what is right by you, God, there is no secular. Everything is sacred. Everything has kingdom purpose. So, Lord, we pray that you would see our hearts this morning. We lay them bare before you. We ask, Lord... That if there are places in our hearts, which we know there are, if there are places in our hearts, God, that are not in alignment with yours, we ask that you would do away with them. 
that you would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, hearts that desire nothing but your kingdom, the desire to love Jesus in every moment of every day. God, let our hearts be yours. Let them line up with the heart of Jesus. And God, we ask that those places in our hearts that we've seen as secular, the the hobbies and the interests and the, the people that we know, God, we just pray that in every one of those, your son Jesus would shine. That your light would shine into every last corner of our lives. And especially this morning in the corners where our hearts find themselves. So transform us, God, from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.